1: I am your host, Vic Jurami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials and other high profile public figures. Good morning and thank you for joining us on The Blunt Post with Vic. You will hear my interview with Armen Kananyan, who is the president Of Americans for Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno Karabakh. The Blunt Post with Vic. Armin Kanayan is an activist based in Washington, D.C., and he is the president of Americans for Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno Karabakh. Good morning, Armin. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Vic, for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You are the president of Americans for Artsakh formerly known as Nagorno Karabakh and uh, it's going through quite an ordeal to say the least but uh, before we start i just want to give you the opportunity um to just tell us about the organization Americans for Artsakh uh, your mission and what you do Americans for
2: Artsakh was founded 20 years ago in 2003 it is American nonprofit organization that stands for a free, strong, and prosperous Republic of Artsakh. Our main goal is promote international recognition of Republic of Artsakh, which was proclaimed in 1991 in full compliance with international norms. Two, strengthen the uh, ties between the people of Artsakh and the United States. Three, assist Artsakh development, education, and culture, and over past three years, provide humanitarian assistance in response to ongoing Azeri hostilities. Four, promote awareness of Artsakh, rich cultural and historical heritage. I became uh, president of the Americans for Artsakh right during Karabakh War of 2020. It was my response, so I feel like uh, we, as Americans, uh, cannot stay indifferent to what is happening there, and we got to stand for a more active role.
1: So, Armen, for the sake of those listening who may not be aware or, or know as much about Artsakh, let me just give them a, a a little bit of a background. So, Artsakh has been an integral part of Armenia uh, as far back as we can prove ninth 9th century BCE, uh, and uh, it's been almost entirely... Uh, populated by indigenous Armenians. In 1920, Stalin, in a move to create chaos and conflict between different ethnic groups within the Soviet Union, put Artsakh under the administrative control of Azerbaijan SSR. Azerbaijan was not a sovereign or independent nation at the time. And this caused the... Uh, Armenians of Artsakh for 70 years to live under oppression, uh, violence, pogroms that resulted in over 30,000 Armenians being massacred between 1988 and 1990, uh, which followed a war that ended for about four years and a ceasefire, a fragile one uh, that was broken in 2020 when Azerbaijan, with help from Turkey, uh, invaded the independent Republic of Artsakh, uh, massacred 5,000 plus Armenians within 44 days. And uh, since, uh, Azerbaijan has had a uh, a genocidal uh, campaign of hate, violence, uh, disinformation. Uh, And now for the last uh, seven months, since December 12th of 2022, uh, Azerbaijan has cut off the only road Uh, that connects Artsakh to Armenia and the rest of the world in order to essentially starve Armenians uh, and drive them out and ethnically cleanse uh, the republic of its indigenous Armenian population. So having said that, um, Armen, in in what's happening now, which some of it I covered, the siege of Artsakh and uh, people at the brink of humanitarian a catastrophe. Actually, it is a humanitarian cra- catastrophe. What's your perspective on what's happening that I may not have covered?
2: Oh, well, you covered it very well. And uh, I just want to say that this, uh, add to what you said, that this terrorist blockade of 120,000 people of Armenians in Artsakh, people who live over 3,000 centuries on this land. It's their homeland. And they are being blockaded, starved. There is short shortage of food, medication, fuel. This is not enough. Uh, Azerbaijan, on 80% of this time, was cutting electrical supply lines. It cut the only gas line coming from Armenia, which uh, Azerbaijan did in winter. So schools, kindergartens, they were not able to operate. Many, many businesses closed. It's uh, about one third of the businesses closed in Artsakh. And uh, another two thirds operate only partially. partially. Uh, There's huge unemployment rate because of this. And uh, the people cannot get uh, necessary medication. There is uh, 9,000 people with disabilities, many injured by Azeri forces. Uh, there is 20,000 elderly people who rely on this medication. There's 30,000 children who cannot uh, go to school. And I just want you to imagine what status people are living in, being surrounded, hunted by people who rape the woman, who mutilate, captured, like the, uh, uh, who are doing all these atrocities. And you stay there with your family, knowing that tomorrow they can come and do it to your kids. To your wife to you this is huge emotional stress and pressure and uh, i'm proud for people armenian people in artsakh that's they're showing this kind of strength and stay firm on their land and uh, don't give in uh, to this terroristic uh, crimes of azerbaijan absolutely the European Parliament has adopted a strong resolution on Artsakh blockade and the European Court of Human Rights has ordered Azerbaijan to take measures to end the blockade. Furthermore, the United Nations International Court of Justice, the Hague, ordered Azerbaijan to lift its blockade and ensure free movement of persons, vehicles, and cargo along Lachin corridor. This order is from February 2023, but unfortunately, there is no compliance to the date.
1: Yes, Azerbaijan has essentially turned its nose up to the the international community, uh, has become a bully, and uh, is doing whatever it wants. If you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami. And you're listening to my interview with Armen Kanayan, who is an activist in Washington, D.C., and the president of Americans for Artsakh. Uh, which brings me to the next question. The, the United States' response to this has been uh, lackluster, to say the least. The Biden administration has lifted uh, Section 907 of the Freedom Act uh, and given Azerbaijan $100 million a year Uh, for military aid, uh, an amount that Azerbaijan does not need, a very uh, oil-rich nation. And uh, this is essentially facilitating Azerbaijan's genocidal campaign against the Armenians. And the U.S. uh, taxpayer is footing the bill of this. What's your perspective on U.S. foreign policy in the, you know, they call it the South Caucasus, but really... Historically, it's been referred to as Armenian highlands.
2: Well, uh, I would just uh, say a few words about restriction on the assistance to Azerbaijan. United States assistance may not be provided to the government of Azerbaijan, section 907 says, until government of Azerbaijan is taking real steps to seize all blockades and other offensive uses of force against Armenian Nagorno-Karabakh. Now let's uh, look at the facts. Continuation of the blockade of Armenian and Artsakh. Devastating results of this blockade we already discussed just now. Azerbaijan aggression against Artsakh in 2020. 5,000 more soldiers killed, 30,000 people were driven away from their homes. Those who couldn't leave home or uh, due to physical disabilities were uh, just due to decision to stay on their home or massacred. In September 2022, Azerbaijan forces launched a surprise attack on sovereign Armenian Armenia territory, resulting in 300, 000, 300 deaths in continuous to by 50 square miles. In this attack, Azeri military committed horrible war crimes, including rape, torture, and mutilation of women. Now, on number of occasions, the State Department expressed deep concerns about Azerbaijani behavior. But I think there is more than words needed in this situation because it escalates to the point already. U.S. must, in my opinion, sanction and prohibit military assistance to Azerbaijan as long as it harbors military ambitions against Armenia and Artsakh. And uh, the lack of decisive decisive action on the part of the United States. is actually giving reassurance to Azerbaijan that it will face no real consequences for its continued aggression. Mm -hmm. Closing eyes on Alif regime war crimes, discrimination, blockade, and ongoing threats is equals to taking side of the oppressor. Using waiver to Section 907 of the Freedom Support Act to provide free Free military aid to Azerbaijan is equal to facilitating to racism, suppression of democracy, starvation of people, including women and children, and playing ground to new genocide against Armenian people. Now, I want to go to uh, recent, recently what happened in, ju- in June 2023. Azerbaijan military opened targeted shooting and shelling of American companies any metallurgical plant built in Yaros, Armenia. So this is Azerbaijan attack on American company on sovereign Armenian territory, hurting American interests. And it just, uh, I would say direct challenge. Azerbaijan already goes, attacks another country and he attacks even American interest in the other country. That's already too much. And in this attack, uh, uh, Azeri soldiers wounded two workers uh, who were working on the plant. And uh, if we look at the waiver, which Biden's administration used, the restriction on assistance is subject and shall not apply if the president determines and so certifies to Congress that the application of the restriction would not be in the national interest of the United States. And with the attack on uh, American Built factory, Azerbaijan basically. Uh, I think that uh, Biden should revoke the waiver on section 907 in the immediate uh, Azar- military
1: Azerbaijan essentially attacked, as you said, American interests this time. But unfortunately, the Biden administration has turned a blind eye. The one phrase that you used, uh, deep concern, has been basically the go to phrase that the State Department has used for three years. I mean, I'm really tired of reading it. You know, In every tweet, all they say is we have deep concern. Well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> How is it that when Ukraine was attacked within 24 hours, uh, not only President Biden talked about it, but uh, our entire nation was sending billions of aid and we were ready to go to war for them. And yet uh, somehow two doors down in, in Artsakh, it's completely quiet and we're still placating a, a terrorist dictator like Aliyev and emboldening him and enabling him to carry out his genocide. If you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you're listening to my interview with Armen Kanayan, who is an activist in Washington, D.C., and the president of Americans for Artsakh, I want to remind uh, all our listeners that we are in a fund drive and we, we would like your support as always and donations so that uh, we can keep bringing you the Blonde Post with Vic uh, interviews, news, uh, and the programming that you're accustomed to. Yeah, Vic, this show in particular,
0: I think is very important in the sense that these interviews that you bring the listeners... Uh, This interview with Armin, a few weeks back, you had a very insightful interview with a a cannabis attorney, and we learned so much information from that, let alone the countless interviews you've had with representatives from Congress uh, and uh, local representatives, your interview with the mayor. These are people who are in positions that uh, directly affect your life or bring you information that is important in the LA community. And we're asking that you call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, and make a donation. Uh, Or you can go online to kpfk.org and make a donation. PayPal, credit card, it's all accepted. And we're asking this because this show uh, and so many other shows on KPFK are putting in the work to bring you this content that I think is pretty important in the sense that it's with people and, you know, topics that are directly uh, affecting you, the listener. Um, So please, uh, 818-985-5735,
1: help KPFK stay on the air. And you're listening to my interview with Armen Kanayan, who is an activist in Washington, D.C., and the president of Americans for Artsakh, Which also brings me to uh, Azerbaijan's disinformation and propaganda machine that has been trying to, or has actually to to a great degree, controlled the narrative, the false narrative uh, about Artsakh and the fact that Artsakh declared itself uh, an independent sovereign nation from USSR even prior to Azerbaijan, and that it has never been a part of independent Azerbaijan. And, uh, you know, and Azerbaijan, of course, wants Artsakh to be, uh, you know, part of it. So tell me why you think that it should not be, and it could never become a part of Azerbaijan, and why remedial secession, which they just applied for uh, to the UN, is the only solution.
2: In my opinion, the history of uh, Azerbaijan and Artsakh showed that Artsakh, uh, Artsakh decided to secede from Azerbaijan in 1988, and secession was formalized in 1991 with the break of Soviet Union. In response to it, Azerbaijan organized Sumgayit pogroms in 1988, straight following. Atrocities documented the murder and mutilation of pregnant Armenian women and newborn babies in maternity hospital. There was reports of uh, and video materials of uh, Azeri, uh, uh, people hunting families and committing murder-rape in Baku, Kirovabad, and other cities. In response to these pogroms, Nobel Prize academician uh, Andrei Sakharov appealed to international community. He said, Armenian people are again facing the threat of genocide. The events of Sumgait and but maybe it's beginning. This must not be allowed to happen, published in New York Times. Then mm-hmm. we go next. We go to Safarov murder on NATO summit in Budapest. Safarov, a very uh, officer, came to summit of Budapest. Together, uh, he came, Armenian delegation came, and... Armenian soldier was uh, at night sleeping. So he he, he taking axe which he bought in uh, in the store, department store, and he goes and he cuts his head while uh, uh, Armenian officer was asleep. He didn't even challenge him openly. He came and like covered, uh, cut his head while he was asleep. And Safarov attorney stated in Budapest trial, that killing an Armenian is not a crime in Azerbaijan. Upon return to Azerbaijan, what was a shady deal of Safarov, he was treated as a national hero by highest government officials. Now, I would ask you, if killing an Armenian is not a crime in Azerbaijan, how Artsakh can be part of Azerbaijan? If this is national politics, if this is what not only the highest officials think, but this is what taught to the people uh, uh, of Azerbaijan. This is propaganda that works with them. If we go next, Azerbaijan attacked Armenia in September, 19, uh, uh, 2022. Anusha Petan, Armenian female soldier who was captured by Azeri soldiers, tortured, mutilated, raped, her finger was cut off and put in her mouth. Her leg was cut off. Well, has you know, children, 16, 15, and four.
1: Making my documentary film, Motherland, I, I watched uh, countless hours of brutalities that were inflicted on the Armenians of Artsakh by Azerbaijani soldiers and even civilians. And, of course, uh, never mind the fact that Azerbaijan shipped in ISIS jihadist um Pakistani, Syrian, and Libyan mercenaries to kill Armenians and gave them uh, two thousand dollars a month to do it and hundred dollar bonuses for Ar- every Armenian beheaded alive. Uh this is this is not the Middle Ages, this is 2020. And uh you made a really good point. And I always tell people you cannot exist with someone or you cannot coexist with someone. Who doesn't want you to exist? And that's what Armenians are facing. Uh, facing uh, our, uh, Azerbaijan has a state-sponsored propaganda campaign teaching their kids to hate Armenians. This is taught in elementary schools and junior high schools. We have videos of this. It, it's unfathomable. Remedial secession is the only solution, and the international community should should come together support Artsakh, support the truth and justice, and uh, make sure that this happens. And we are, this is a very pivotal time. Uh, It has to happen soon. We know we don't have time for like sound bites and uh, rhetoric from our elected officials. I hope uh, President Biden and the Secretary Blinken would finally uh, change their bias and their destructive policy toward Artsakh and come around. If you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you're listening to my interview with Armen Kanayan, who is an activist in Washington, D.C., and the president of Americans for Artsakh. Armen, before we go, I want to make sure I give you a chance to say or to tell us about your project uh, at Americans for Artsakh, your um, initiatives and upcoming projects and what you're currently uh, working on?
2: Well, a project of this year, I was going to be uh, a repair to the Burling Village School uh, in Artsakh, which was shelled by Azeris. Uh, specifically, their sports facilities. And we did a very nice project, which was... Uh, Uh, going to create really nice uh, uh, sport rooms for children. But unfortunately, due to this blockade and shut off the schools, uh, this project stalls. So we're rethinking now what we can do and we're thinking to help wounded soldiers during war. Those uh, specifically to Sergei Tarapitiani, champion of European Samba. Uh, uh, Cup. Sergei uh, went through uh, the operation in clinic in Thessaloniki in recovery. So we assisted him back then, and uh, he continues uh, uh, now recovering hospital in Moscow. And uh, he's doing progress, fortunately, and uh, we, we want to make sure that he would completely recover.
1: Fantastic. Uh,
2: I, w- I want to emphasize that everywhere where I came, there is a soldier. No Armenian population left. Those who were living, who stayed there, who dared to stay, they all disappeared. I would I want to bring an example of Alvar Thomasyan, disabled Armenian woman who was found tortured near Shushi. She was 58-old disabled woman, uh, resident of Karintak. Alvar uh, refused to leave the village. She was captured by Azeri forces during the recent Artsakh war. And later to be found by search teams for, had, had been tortured beyond recognition and woman was missing hand, foot, ear, and had been cut off. So I think that given all these crimes, telling that Artsakh should become part of Azerbaijan is meaning signing death signature to this 100,000 people. They got to. Indeed, indeed. Uh,
1: Secretary Blinken and uh, Charles Michel of uh, the co-president of European Union have been essentially forcing, putting a gun to Armenia's head to go to the slaughter. 120,000 Armenians to go to the slaughter. That's exactly what this is. Let's get blunt. Let's speak the truth. Uh, Make no bones about it. Thank you for that, Armen. How can people learn more
2: about Americans for Artsakh? They can go to our website, americans4artsakh.org, americans4artsakh.org.
1: Fantastic. Um, Armen, thank you very much for uh, being on the show sharing your uh, your thoughts, your knowledge. And um, uh, let's hope that next time we chat, you'll be under better
2: circumstances. Let's hope so. Thank you, Vic, for making this very important translation.
1: Well, that was my interview with Armin kananyan uh, Armin, thank you very much for being on the show this morning. Uh, good luck with everything. And uh, I hope to chat with you again soon. The Blunt Post with Vic. Later on the show, you will hear my interview with attorney Arsene Arakel, who is also a founding board member of one of my favorite nonprofits, the Center for Truth and Justice. You're listening to KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara County, and streaming across the globe at kpfk.org, Pacifica Radio for all of Southern California and beyond. Donating your car or boat is an excellent way to help KPFK stay alive and on air. All you have to do is call 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-KPFK-AUTO, and we'll take care of everything.
0: The Blunt Post with Vic.
1: Artzine Arakel is an attorney and a founding board member of the Center for Truth and Justice, a 501c3 nonprofit organization established in November 2020 in response to Azerbaijan's invasion of Artsakh, formerly known as nagarno karabakh The Center for Truth and Justice is a group of lawyers overseeing the collection of firsthand testimonial evidence from survivors via in-depth recorded interviews. By being a permanent home for the testimonials, Center for Truth and Justice serves as a resource to academic and legal practitioners who seek to use the evidence for purposes of education and or legal action. Good morning, Arsene. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today?
3: Thank you so much, Vic. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me.
1: Um, it's a pleasure. I've, uh, you know, this is my first time interviewing someone from the Center for uh, Truth and Justice, and that's a that's a treat because I've been a, a fan of uh, the organization, your work. Um, there's so much to talk about. So much has happened just recently, uh, and, and continues to. I'm just going to give you like a short synopsis, uh, if you will, uh, for listeners so that they know what we're going to be talking about. And then you can give us sort of the the more detailed description of the organization. A lot of people have been uh, hearing me talk about uh, the Republic of Artsakh, uh, Azerbaijan's invasion of the Republic of Artsakh in 2020 with help from Turkey when they occupied 90% 90% of it massacred over 5,000 Armenians in 44 days. And uh, consequently, uh, since December 12th of last year, which has been over eight months, uh, Azerbaijan has blocked the Lachin Corridor, which is the only road leading from Artsakh, uh, formerly known as Nagorno Karabakh, to Armenia and the rest of the world, hence, starving. 120,000 armenians uh, including 30,000 children uh for the last over 8 months uh among uh, at least we have two we we have two confirmed deaths from starvation essentially uh you know malnutrition and uh it's it's a very dire situation two world experts uh have recently issued reports calling it genocide and so uh, coming to the Center of uh, Truth and Justice for the last three years, the Center for Truth and Justice is made up of teams of attorneys uh, here in uh, in L.A., Orange County, as well as Armenia Artsakh, who are documenting these atrocities, these crimes against humanities. And they're interviewing people and they're putting all this on paper. Uh, they're doing this incredible work pro bono. And uh Arsene is one of the founding uh, members yeah you know, she's on the board executive board and sarson so, i hope i did a i did a fair job of describing what you do now I'll, I'll let you sort of take from there
3: Well, thank you so much yes that's uh that's a pretty great brief summary uh we appreciate your support and the level of involvement and your depth of knowledge and providing a platform for others to find out really what's going on that isn't shared enough in the Western media. So a little bit about myself specifically, I'm a attorney, um, but I joined CFTJ at the onset in 2020 because of what we were witnessing as a result of Azerbaijan's attack and heinous crimes against innocent civilians elderly beheadings mutilations and we couldn't just sit idly by so cftj formed in essence because we needed to collect this evidence without evidence how do you prove something happened and in order to work from thousands of miles away how do you collect evidence from los angeles or california uh, when the um, heinous crimes are being committed in this little pocket Nestled in between Armenia and Azerbaijan. So we created clinics and brought on students, law students, training them with the American standards of evidence to collect evidence on how to collect evidence so that it is admissible down the road. And tons of students, hundreds have graduated or has been certified through our clinics. And those that excel, we've hired. So in essence, you've invested in these students and they are now thriving and collecting evidence and training the next level of students that come in. While that's happening, uh, we take the evidence and we uh, have sent, for example, delegations of attorneys with our evidence and reports based on this evidence to Geneva to meet with the experts and the United Nations um, wrap of tours that are on torture and on starvation, we show them the evidence and the videos and the story so they could see and get to experience firsthand the testimony of a victim and what their story was, because you know, when you read about these things, it just seems so remote. And how can this be happening? But when you put a face to it or like a child and his father died or his grandparents were beheaded and he just wants to live in his home where he was raised for generations, his family has lived there. You know, their their cemetery has the ancestors buried there and they're cut off from this because of the, the genocidal dictator's plans, Aliyev's plans you then start to care. So this is all about capturing the evidence and getting the story to the experts to the UN um and doing what we can t- for truth and justice in essence for accountability.
1: That's incredible. That's uh, uh, that's uh doing God's work as they say. And uh, you know unfortunately we are at a point where we have to do this and it's almost it's almost unbelievable that uh you know I I keep saying the Armenian genocide has has been resumed it's resumed by Azerbaijan but with help from Turkey the original perpetrator of the genocide and once again we're going through this and once again uh everyone that said uh, never again is uh well a lot of them are are very silent right now and that's the tragedy of all of this I mean I'm so impressed that you've had so many, law students uh, go through the clinic learn how to do this and they're doing it some of them are working for you i know that that work is very overwhelming because i had to do it while i was making my documentary i looked at 43 hours worth of footage and i also interviewed a lot of uh, survivors and uh, eyewitnesses and refugees from Artsakh. and uh it's a lot of things that you don't you know you just kind of want to unsee that you that's guys are- right you're, you're doing it. This is the blunt post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with attorney Arsena Arakel from the Center for Truth and Justice. And we are discussing uh, the organization's work in uh, recording and documenting Azerbaijan's crimes against humanity uh, in and during the ongoing uh, genocide that the azerbaijan is perpetrating against uh the indigenous armenians of artsakh formerly known as nagorno karabakh where are you at right now because there've been some positive developments with uh luis uh, marino campo and as well as juan mendez who've who've really come out strong and said uh, genocide is happening um sort of uh, dissect that for us
3: yeah absolutely so um you know what what we are seeing is when you collect evidence and you store it nothing comes of it and you can't just wait for to bring a case because the atrocities are happening right now we don't have time to wait we don't have time for the wheels of justice to stop the current atrocity we don't have an injunction so to speak what we do have is the icj's determination And Azerbaijan is in violation of them. That's what happens when states with perpetrators like Aliyev go with impunity. They feel emboldened. They feel like the international laws do not apply to them and is incumbent on nation states that are democratic, the West, the United Nations, America, for all that it stands for, to speak up against these kinds of atrocities because what is the purpose and significance of these laws and these organizations if they're determining their judicial body decides that what is going on needs to stop and the state continues it is then on the policy makers and the political officials to take a bolder stance and say no we stand by the laws that we instituted the conventions that we created there's a purpose for this because as we all know that saying an injustice to one is an injustice to all so if we don't stand up for our in 2020 what came after putin's emboldened to then act in ukraine if you can go and infringe on the space and in sovereign territories or on the people and not have any reaction then uh, Aliyev set the roadmap for Putin to feel like he can do what he can do. And that's what we're seeing now. So while people might not know about Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh and might not understand its correlation to, how does that affect, oh, you know, an average American who's sitting in Los Angeles or in San Francisco and they're enjoying their Starbucks? Well, at the end of the day, it comes back to policy, the United States security interests and all of that. It's all correlated. Why are we sending hundreds of millions to billions of dollars to Ukraine right now when we could have prevented the roadmap that led to potentially Ukraine? So you have to act and stand up for human rights. And so what we're we're seeing now is Luis Morin Ocampo, who was the former prosecutor of the International Criminal Court has taken it upon himself on a pro bono basis to analyze the situation. And what he determined in his legal analysis is that the cutting off of the lodging corridor, the only road, like you said, between Garabakh, nagorno karabakh or Artsakh to Armenia, the only road sustaining their food supplies for children and elderly, and you cut that off and the ICJ has said they should not cut it off, it needs to be open. Well, their intent in cutting it off is demonstrated. And what are you cutting off? You're putting their lives in danger. And that follows the international law that says hey, once you do that, that establishes genocide. You have genocide once that has happened. You don't need the other elements of a genocide that we have seen in movies or in Darfur or in read about, you don't need to have an, a mass killings, which is another form of genocide. But what we have now is the cutoff and their lives are at risk. They're already starting to die. They're starving. So we have a genocide that has happened right now and the continuation of it, the next phase will be another phase of genocide. And, you know, to your point, it's a continuation of the genocide.
1: Absolutely. What, we,
3: you, what we're seeing here is the same tactics that were used uh, about 100 years ago or so is being implemented by Turks supporting the Azeris and committed against enth- ethnic Christian Armenians starvation and wiping them off the map. And this is their roadmap, and it's up to nation states to take action, or else we're going to see that it's going to get even more devastating and difficult to watch.
1: Thank you for that. That was very thorough. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with Attorney Arsena Arakez from the Center for Truth and Justice, and we are discussing uh, the organization's work in uh, recording and documenting Azerbaijan's crimes against humanity uh, in and during the ongoing uh, genocide that the Azerbaijan is perpetrating against uh, the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as nagarno karabakh Let's talk about this. You were talking about International Court of Justice's ruling as well as uh, laws that are in place by the European Union and United Nations, Council of Europe, etc., and how Aliyev has been basically violating all of them. We're not seeing much movement from the European Union, at least not from the top. When we have the co-presidents of European Union basically still placating Aliyev, UK is not doing anything. They have a lot of interest in Azerbaijani oil and gas and such. And at this past Wednesday's hearing about this, the Secretary of State or just the State Department altogether and Samantha Power were absent and we're not really seeing much support. I mean, President Biden, who's talked a lot about Ukraine, hasn't said a word about Artsakh. So considering all of that, do you think we are, (laughs) is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Are we seeing a light?
3: Um. I think where there is a will, there is a way, because as long as we um, go off into the night and are silent, the issue is not heard, and we don't spread awareness and demand there to be attention and shed light on this. As United States citizens, I think we have a level of onerous responsibility to continue to speak up and demand that our government continue to pay attention, that we won't go away, that this issue isn't going away. The Center for Truth and Justice is committed to the evidence that supports the legal findings that are saying that there's a legitimate issue here that is of urgent need. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Because what we're seeing is experts speak up, support not only the stories and state that That is a violation, but demanding accountability from state actors because the law is on our side. The law says we deserve to live. They deserve to live. They have a right to live. They have a right to food. Your politics does not trump the right for them to eat. Your politics and your claim to land does not trump their right to life. And so there is no beating that. What that comes down to is. Well, when the United uh, the Human Rights Commission, the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission on Wednesday held an emergency session to discuss this issue, there was no response. They were absent, and there was no response to the invitation. Now, we can go into presuppositions or speculations as to what it means, but just as much as it means that they weren't present and in support or whatever... They also did not deny or reject or provide anything on record as to their absence. So it is still a blank slate. It means they are fully aware. They could have been there. They could have heard, asked questions, which could have led in one direction or another in negotiations. They may or may not be ready to put that into the public sphere. Their position was somewhat heard at the Uh, United Nations General Security Council meeting that was held just about a week or two ago. And the United Nations state actors that spoke included European Union states, included the United States, and the overwhelming majority stood up for what's right. And it wasn't politics. It's the right for the people to live and to have the right to life, that cutting them off from food. Is not okay, and the so-called Agdam Road was a propaganda tactic that most of the nation's states saw through. Right. It's it's akin to um, Hitler providing a supper in Auschwitz under the guise of being a benevolent. It is seen for what it is. It's not a real, actual humanitarian effort. And what we have seen through the Lachin corridor, which is a road that's been closed is the even the icrc the red cross is not protected under international laws to safely take a patient who needs heart surgery from barabakh nagorno karabakh over to armenia yeah azerbaijan steps in abducts and then commits god knows what heinous crimes which we have evidence of in azerbaijan so when you're subjecting them to potential access of food from Agdam. God knows what would be coming through those doors.
1: Yeah, and Azerbaijan is so good at uh, propaganda and lies and disinformation. They've spent a tremendous amount of money. The whole Azerbaijan laundromat that was unraveled by OCCRP and Transparency International talks about the 2.9 billion euros that was spent to bribe world politicians, politicians, policymakers, media, stakeholders, etc. It's just, it's so big. You know, Azerbaijan has sort of, and they're so emboldened, as you said, that that they're able to do this and even block the Red Cross. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic jurami and you are listening to my interview with attorney Arsena Arakev, from the Center for Truth and Justice, and we are discussing uh, the organization's work in uh, recording and documenting Azerbaijan's crimes against humanity uh, in and during the ongoing uh, genocide that Azerbaijan is perpetrating against uh, the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as nagorno karabakh I want to go back and talk about the Center for Truth and Justice, but I just want to make one point for our listeners is that, you know, if you think this is sort of too far off and doesn't apply to you, and here's something to think about. Azerbaijan is the is the wealthiest nation in the South Caucasus due to their, their fossil fuel and their oil and gas industries. And yet we have every year waived the Section 907 of the Freedom Act and have allowed Well, basically, American taxpayers have sent a hundred million dollars a year to Azerbaijan uh, for their military aid, supposedly um, for uh, for them to secure their borders and other sort of uh, security issues, which is absurd because they have been importing terrorists, jihadists, ISIS and mercenaries from Syria, Libya, Pakistan to massacre Armenians. And yet we're giving one hundred hundred million a year. Of, of US taxpayer money um, and just like that. Arsena, is there a question I should have asked that I missed or is there something you'd like to add before we go?
3: I think you did a really good job. You know so much, you've done so much yourself and we're so thankful to be working alongside with you and you giving us a platform on your um, on your show and uh, we continue to look forward to working with each other. I I, I hope that members who are listening in are compelled and interested and reach out. We really do appreciate from non-Armenians to Armenians. We work with other ethnic groups that are going through similar situations and our training techniques are being taught to them so they can capture evidence and document it and seek truth and justice on their own terms as well. So it goes a long way when you have an organization that's truly devoted to human rights work.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Arsene, thank you for uh, being on the show. I'm sure we'll talk again. Good luck to you.
3: Thank you so much, Vic John. I thank you really from the bottom of our heart. CFCJ thanks you for all your support as well. Uh,
1: Likewise. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, Arsene, thank you very much for uh, being on the show this morning. Appreciate your time and all the work that you do. Uh, I hope to uh, chat with you again soon. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jaramie. Both Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at Vic Jaramie. That's V-I-C. G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.